0: Sure, a, hit, sure, yeah. hit record he jumped off he got nervous <laughs> wow i think uh chris's question was so good that i i logged myself off because it was just
1: let's focus on what we're seeing in terms of trends from uh candidate experience what are we seeing on the employer side for candidates who are applying to specific open positions and then how does that translate over once you know you've got employees who join the organization, where are their expectations from a growth and development and advancement standpoint? I think if that's the topic we're looking at, Bobby, why don't you start us off and let us know what are you seeing from a talent acquisition standpoint, just based on your own experience?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, the surprising to to some, I think it's it's still a candidate's market right now. So I think, you know, what we're still seeing is, um, you know, an increase Um, in the number of job openings, you know, currently right now. So candidates kind of have their choice as to, you know, what organizations, what jobs that they want to apply for. And I think what you're seeing in, um, you know, for many companies, and, you know, particularly maybe local companies is a little bit of a decrease in organic applicant flow. Um, And, you know, what that means is that, Individuals are potentially going through the interview process, the hiring process with multiple companies. And what that means from a candidate experience standpoint, in in my own opinion, is that, you know, companies have to, the companies that are going to stick out are the companies that move fast, but the companies that are in frequent communication with candidates, you know, constantly touching base with the candidate to one, understand where they're at in their interview process with other organizations and keeping a pulse check on that. And two, just having those, those candid open conversations with candidates and understanding kind of, you know, what are those things that are important to you? Is it health benefits? Is it retirement savings, future planning? Is it, you know, compensation? And that can change, you know, for, uh, you know, by generation, by, by group. So, um, yeah, I think right now we're still seeing a candidates market, which I think is is a little bit surprising to some, you know, especially when you start hearing a lot of this recessionary talk.
2: Yeah, I would, I I agree with a lot of that, and 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 what I'm what I see, Chris, is is kind of like um a lot of our consumer behaviors, right, on our on our personal side, is kind of leaking over into our professional expectations of our employer, almost exactly to what Bobby said is. Less organic traffic because I, as an individual, know I'm special now because I'm in the driver's seat. So when I'm proactively reached out to,
1: literally, that makes in me the driver's
2: feel, seat, Kevin. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I literally am right now. But that literally makes me feel special, you know. Yeah. And some of the best messages are 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 really just talking to the person as a person. And I yeah. think people are really wanting and longing for that that human connection. I mean. Going back to that study that just came out about social isolation um, yeah. was, was pretty remarkable. It's like smoking 16 cigarettes a day. So really changing Bobby's point as to what, is pri- what does that person prioritize and just asking the right questions is, is kind of that mind shift for talent acquisition professionals and even the hiring managers and eventually the managers themselves they don't know really what questions they should be asking than the traditional questions that they've always asked. Yeah. Um, and it kind of limits their ability to individualize not only the experience, but also the communications too. Um, and we, we can get into a million different things on the, on the individual side, but we're seeing how Netflix and all this stuff, I, I give over my data for that personalized experience and I'm fine with it. Um, that is kind of what this generation makeup is as we get more and more comfortable with technology. So it is that analog and digital generational differences. And I think that's really what people are looking for because that's more rewarding when I feel special, right? And then Mm -hmm. when they get into the organization, they just want to be listened to, valued and heard. Um, But I wanted to kind of go back to something we Chris, you were talking about before we jumped on, because what I asked you is, once you've gotten them in the door, right, and and onboarding is obviously one of those low-hanging fruits um, in a lot of organizations, but what are you seeing from a development standpoint, right, so I'm sitting down a lot of focus groups, and a lot of people say, and we can read survey after survey, where it's all, I I want (laughs) lack of professional development opportunities, and I thought what you said was fascinating, is where development, and advancement are almost being used synonymously with one another, and it's kind of adding confusion to that generation, newer generation into the workforce.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's, to be quite honest, I don't think it's anything new, Kevin. I think it's been going on for a while, you know, companies do listening sessions, as you said, they survey their people, they do annual engagement surveys. I'm willing to bet if you're in an organization that's doing an annual engagement survey, in your top five areas of potential opportunities for improvement is you're going to see career development and on its on its surface what does that mean we don't know so we dig deeper we listen we do focus groups and what we find is all of the individual groups are or people who said yeah i think career development is great at this company we look back and those are all the individuals who got promoted within the last you know six nine twelve months all the people who say career development stinks at the company those are all the people who maybe have been in their current roles for two, three, maybe going on four years. So I think there's definitely, uh, as you said, we're using the terms advancement and development synonymously when we need to look at them a little bit differently, right? So for development, how do we look at development in terms of the continual acquisition, refining, enhancing you know, your knowledge, skills, and abilities? whether that's, you know, in your current role, because you've got opportunities there or to prepare you for a future role, right? And that's kind of the language that we use. You should constantly be looking at how do you continually develop yourself, just to prepare yourself for what that next role is. Another thing I find is, you know, and I'm not saying this is just younger generation, you know, I've, I've seen this throughout all generational levels, but we get fixated on a title, right? I yeah. gotta be a director. I gotta be a manager. I gotta be a you know VP. And we get fixated on salary, right? I gotta make a hundred thousand. I gotta make 200,000. I gotta make whatever it might be. And that's only gonna eventually derail us, right? Because yeah. there's only so many open manager roles, director roles, VP roles in an organization. You know, We're not gonna have a thousand VP roles in our organization. We're gonna have to yeah. the number that we have
0: so yeah.
1: i think people get so, so fixated on that and they forget that you know start start thinking about the actual responsibilities the actual skills that you need to demonstrate at that particular level yeah. and start working your way towards that right Even so is course. this
2: but chris is that is because this is what i we talk about as a group and as as an organization right as a team we talk about is this is this really the case right if that is everybody's expectation is this really the next only logical, I guess, evolution of business is that skills-based modeling. When, yeah. when we know there's more positions than people and the demand is not going away. So we have a, a shrinking labor force, but a growing demand at the same time, um, taking into AI, which is gonna create even more jobs, but certainly yeah. displace others. I think it's only really logical to start to think about building organizations around skills. Sure. Um, and, and almost creating those universities of skills within the organization where you are continuously learning and challenging and mentoring and all of those things that should be happening, but you're gaining new skills um, kind of to outrun what could be potentially automated someday. Yeah. Um, so that, I, I think what you're talking about is really why we feel so passionately about it and Bobby, you're probably even seeing it more on the talent acquisition yeah. side now, is like skills is really what is valuable at the end of the day. Not certifications, not any of that. Yes, they help, but skills at the end of the day is what gets work done in a different quality and a different level.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too, because I think, you know, we, we, we see this and I, I'd be interested, Chris, in, you know, kind of the employee life cycle of something changes, right? Because we talked about comp versus purpose a little bit there, right? So I think when when folks are bringing in, you know, when, when organizations are bringing in individuals, you know, what I think a lot of people are seeing and what I'm reading is that folks are coming in because they see a purpose at that organization, they see a purpose within that position, they feel that their skills and their talents meet, you know, what's required in that role. But at some point, throughout the employee life cycle it sounds like that flips a little bit and then it becomes like hey i i need that next big desk i need that next chair i need that next you know promotion you know kevin chris i'd be interested in hearing your perspective like like what in your opinion kind of flips the switch there
2: (laughs) geez i mean um sorry for the camera uh i think it's i think it's that common case of uh intrinsic and extrinsic motivation right so i i really think that extrinsic motivation when intrinsic is lacking, I need extrinsic motivation in order to wanna to stay, right? So that's what I honestly feel, Bobby. I see the abilities to continuously strike that intrinsic motivation with challenge goals, stretch goals, pairing up diff- different, different business departments to solve different business problems. That is really inherently what they want, as well as we know the ESG side, right? We've been I've been talking about that forever. Our consumers are more a part of company cultures than companies like to admit. That I always say. Mark Cuban just said he had a revolution the other day that his crew, his teammates, should model those that he's looking to sell and and accommodate based off the community. So it's like, why is that? Why was that the first time that a billionaire had to say that? That now everybody's starting to recognize, like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Because I mean, PR and employee value propositions and employer brand, is a consumer behavior that we have on our personal side. <laughs> we read reviews from total strangers about a product and say, oh yeah, that sounds good. I'll take yeah. their recommendation. I'm gonna buy that product. Would we do that in our personal lives and on the street taking advice from somebody on the, I don't think so, right? So it's, we've changed, we've evolved. We're online shoppers, we're online buyers and we're online investigators. We will find out um, more about the culture of an organization than the the organization will ever know. So I, I, I think it is continuously challenging people and including them within the decisions to create that intrinsic motivation where you feel like you are working towards a shared goal while achieving your personal success as well as your professional. And I think that helping people find that balance and arming them with life skills is really different to think about for a lot of businesses, moving away from extrinsic motivation only um, as a way to get the certain behaviors that they believe lead to certain outcomes.
1: So there's two things there, Kevin, and I really liked um, about Mark Cuban's revelation and also, (laughs) you know, talking back to what Bobby was asking about the switch, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head kevin people join organizations because of the mission because of the purpose because they can connect to it what happens over time is if they don't get that you know that personal growth that continual growth that's how humans are wired we all want to continue to learn and grow and develop and if they're not getting that from their organization they're going to start looking elsewhere right yeah. you look at Levels of engagement, the first year is pretty high, then years you know, two through four, it kind of levels off. And then if you actually make it with an organization past four or five years, it goes back up again. But what I'm thinking here is organizations have to equip their managers, their leaders, to be able to be good growth developers, talent developers. And if they're not connecting with their team members to help them continue to learn, grow, and develop, they're gonna look elsewhere. And I see this happen all the time where we lose yeah. top talent and we find that, you know, we go in and do an exit interview, find out why, well, we, I never had one conversation about my career development or, you know, learning more skills with my manager in the entire time I was there. And that's, you know, that's a, a freaking shame to be quite honest with you. you you're missing yeah. out on these opportunities. So one of the yeah. things that we're seeing is how are you building in specific dialogue and conversations around your team members, development, career development, skill development, outside of normal just feedback or one-on-ones or, you know, formal performance reviews. And if you can do yeah. that, now you're hitting those spots that, you know, we all have as human beings. We're all looking to continuously grow. And yeah. I think it's, yeah. that's a small thing that I think companies can do to ensure that they have another touch point. We talked about the eight, t- eight touch points you have throughout the course yeah. of the year. You will know, have another touch point where at least you're engaging with your with your team members in a meaningful way.
2: And I one think, other, and, yeah. Well, one other quick point, Bobby? I would also, yeah. yeah. What Chris said is exactly right. They join for the mission, the vision, the values. They once they've pat, the employer has passed that test, right? That I test. Yeah. Employers, when you start to talk to employees internally um, through, like, what our process is, is they will tell you that the company is so poor at reconnecting them to that mission that they joined the organization to. So you see the breakdown in communication from the impact and actually feeding that insight back to the employees on an individual level to show what impact that they're actually having. And, and that's why I would say that the idea that suits are talking to us over our head and we don't understand is kind of the current perception. So in those environments, when they see what is rewarded and what is recognized, it is that advancement only is how you gain that power yeah. To then maybe potentially see the impact that you're having, but it's I I think Chris is hit it on the head. I think it, they do come for that, but very quickly they will realize in ninety days. I would say is usually when they really realize they made a mistake. But maybe you get them for a full calendar year.
1: So that gets us back to the TA question. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and our our organizations and companies just blowing smoke during the interview candidacy process about here's our mission, here's what we value. And then when a team member actually gets you know, inside the walls and they find that, wait, it's not like that at all. You know, what's going on here? So how do we help organizations kind of tell a real truer story, Bobby, when it comes to what yeah. yep.
0: we're about? Potentially, right? I mean, who knows, right? I think organizations of all sizes you know, and, and locations, they operate a little differently. I mean, I think the one thing you can do is to just be true to yourself, right? And that's, you know, creating diverse interview panels, you know, making sure that the process isn't too long, you know, making sure that you're asking meaningful questions that kind of directly relate back to the company culture and understanding how candidates respond to those questions. Um, Really understanding the candidate, right? I I say this all the time, right? It's a two-way street. And I think sometimes organizations feel like, um, I have to find the best candidate for my role. That's 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 absolutely true. But the other side of it is, is those candidates have to make sure that you are the right fit for them as well for the long term. So you know, making sure that you're asking questions and you're allowing the candidate to ask questions and to share about you know their wants, desires, and needs. Um, it's like it's like a dating app, Chris. Right? Like we we have to find that perfect match. Um, so you know that that's kind of where, where where my head's at you know from a TA standpoint I yeah. I wanted to come back to you because I think you made a great point Chris about um, you know organizations and continual growth and learning and check-ins for managers and you know Kevin you mentioned earlier you know some organizations probably of the larger size are are implementing things like you know learning universities and things of that nature
2: yeah
0: for you know local organizations or or you know smaller organizations that might not have the resources to build out formal training and development programs. Like what are some things that their managers, their teammates, employees can do to ensure that they're, you know, making sure people feel valued and, and, and growing, especially when they hit that two to four year mark with the organization.
2: Recognition, I think, is one of the easiest things in a manager's tool belt, Bobby. Um, it's cheap. Typically, it's free. Um, it just takes time and the investment in emotional intelligence to know when and how behaviors that you do want to recognize. And then they could potentially evolve into rewards, but recognition has such power. Um, And it's really, again, like we've all talked about and individualizing that experience to know what makes that person tick. Same idea. We all have different ways that our love language of how we like to be recognized for our hard work for going the extra mile for doing the right thing for the customer you know um but very rarely can we sell that again back to the employee um again getting striking more of that intrinsic motivation and there's research and studies out there that tell you if i had a really crappy day the day before and i get recognized two days later i will completely forget about that negative event
0: mm.
2: So in this cyclical moment where we, we are moody, right, we're stressed, we are anxious. If we are able to soften the emotions, because we know it's a high, high, high emotional time, yeah. gratitude and uh, recognition, those are tools in, the, in a company's tool belt that just takes time and investment. And I would love to see, to Chris's point, the evolution of the in- extrinsic motivation to start to get managers to prioritize that yeah because now it's just operational savings and profitability mm-hmm. that's what they're always going to prioritize because that is what we're telling them is most important in their role and what they what we as a company value their position of doing until you change that you're not really going to change a lot of the behaviors. But I think recognition, Bobby, is some some pretty easy low hanging fruit that has a high impact.
1: Sure. I, I'd add on to that as well too. Yeah, absolutely important, Kevin. I think this equally important is you know, really good managers know what the unique skills are of their team members, right? And they can, they can do a couple of things. They can um, continue to leverage those strengths that those individuals have, right? And then they can match that up with potential opportunities. Again, the already work that needs to get done. So they don't have a big budget. There's no learning university. You know, a good manager knows what the skill set, the strengths, the aspirations are of their team members, and they connect the work with that. So in addition to recognition, I was going to say delegation. So really good managers use delegation as a development opportunity, right? And I can... End of the day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that, you know... (laughs) We could do a whole nother a whole nother call on you know delegating for development and, and motivating and recognizing your team members, which we may do. Or yeah. you can contact us and we can work with your organization and yeah. talk about or that we. too. <laughs> um, I,
2: Bobby is like easy. Everybody can do it, is just be more yeah. vulnerable, right? Definitely. Stop guard, stop putting up, be truly vulnerable to rebuild that emotional fabric that's required to pull out these insights that these people need
0: yeah so yeah hey, do, do you think some of that's been lost Kevin with with yeah. you know the, the remote workforce and now kind yeah. of coming back to the office in a you know hybrid or full-time setting I
2: yeah. think we break up in that organic conversation you know organic conversation. I just happened to get a bagel out of the toaster and you came in to get your coffee hey Bobby how you doing? right it is that social connection just like we're seeing in social like i said 16 cigarettes a day we have this preconceived notion that a majority of our health is physical health we've been trained to think that way that's actually only 30 percent of our health mm-hmm. you, all other factors actually make us holistically healthy and i think we're just learning more in this knowledge industry like knowledge world that we're in right now yeah My, all the time with angelo you know so much more about parenting and the health of children than we had even just 33 years ago. Sure. So we're in this knowledge age. It's not hoarding of knowledge anymore. It's sharing and it's creating these internal networks, these neural networks that are connecting and saying, hey, we saw a similar. We did it like this. It's really turning kind of the, the, the pyramid upside down and creating more of connections across business units, Bobby. And that's really a lot of businesses can solve their own problems themselves, but they spend a lot on consultants to help them figure it out.
0: Yeah. Great points. Absolutely.
2: One thing I wanted to kind of, I don't know what time we got, because I know we all got a hard stop at nine. So we got about eight minutes. Bobby, one of the things that I always talk about, and I think Chris was kind of saying is I think it's a hard position for talent acquisition professionals right now, right? Especially if you don't know or you don't really believe in what you're selling. And if you know you're selling a false bag of goods because you know what you need to say to get people to sell people on that job, it can be a tough position. How do you help your team to continue to, to your point? Not when you build that relationship, because what you talk about is build, build relationship with that person. They say yes, then what? How do you make sure that you're continually rewarding the talent acquisition team to see their work, right? To see the final product, to see the impact that they're having. Cause I think it can be a lonely place sometimes when it's, Oh, we
0: got them. Here's your onboarding. Good luck. We'll see you later. I'm turning on to the next one. Yeah. Well, I think generally I'll speak, I'll speak general about talent yeah. acquisition functions, you know, as a whole, I think the the really cool thing is that in talent acquisition, uh, you know, it's just as it is, right. You have the, the opportunity to provide a career, and a life to somebody who, who might not have it or a career growth opportunity to somebody who has been, has been looking for that. So in and of itself, just the ability to know that you've touched an individual and perhaps change, perhaps change their personal or financial situation is in my opinion, rewarding enough to continue to push forward in this field. Now, the other pieces is, is that a lot of companies um, do a lot of candidate testimonials, right? They do a lot of um, candidate surveying and understanding, you know what, uh, you know how the candidate experience was. That information is so key, positive or negative, to share with your teams. In my opinion, because you know that's what kind of helps them move forward. Kevin, you you said it best, right? I, I I have a bad day. Two days later, I get a really good positive comment. I forget about that bad day, and I'm like, you know, I just I just made an impact on somebody's life. So trying to weave those those conversations in on a pretty regular basis, I think is, is key in talent acquisition. Like I said, we have the ability of taking somebody from outside of an organization and bringing them in. Um, And that's just, you know, the nature of the job. And I think that's what makes it special in and of itself. And then internally, you know, you you have the opportunity to impact somebody's life by helping them grow or develop in different positions. So
2: do you think Right. Knowing what you know about talent acquisition and and then the other side, as they kind of go into the life cycle, be an employee now of the organization. Do you think it would be best to have a best employee experience or a candidate experience for you to follow them through like the first 30, 60 and 90 days following? Because you've really built and established a relationship. Their trust is probably more with you than even their manager at that point. Yeah, back? Kevin. And
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in my past, you know, I've, I've gone even beyond that, those 90 days, right? Like you follow the employee, you look at reporting that comes out, you see when that individual, you know, takes on a new job or was promoted, or got recognized for something, sending that individual a quick note, you know, maybe doing quarterly, you know, touch points with that person, right? I think those things go such a long way um, to just continue to build those relationships. And then there's also that kind of like that, Personal motivation, you know, kind of like, hey, I made a really good hire. This person is now growing through the organization. Um, and in, in a way, it's just, you know, kind of right there standing in front of you, the fruits of your labor.
2: That's so cool. Yeah. I, I, I always encourage that um because I think it's best for both parties and it is their opportunity to continue to s- use sales terms, but sell between the sales that opportunity to that employee for the first 90 days
0: and i'd even go a bit further too kevin like you know it's not just maybe touching base with that employee but i also think we know the first 90 days coming into an organization you know it can be very very stressful you're learning new systems you're meeting new people there's you know calendar invites flying all over the place right so um you know what i encourage also is sharing with those new employees making sure reminding them hey you know benefits are coming out on this date? Or did you know about this particular, you know, benefit that we offer? Um, Have you thought about this event that we're doing, right? Like, those things sometimes, believe it or not, kind of get swept under the rug, because new employees are just so busy. So, you know, having those communicate, you know, those purposeful communications with with new employees, I think is helpful as well.
2: Love how you're just promoting, like, humanizing these roles more and more. exactly
0: It is
2: it. Hey, it's just humanizing you, yeah. you hey it's your birthday dude yeah we built a relationship oh i saw that promotion happy birthday and congratulations on your promotion it's just okay. it's making time and space for it i think i, I think
1: that's the biggest thing then that's the biggest pushback you're going to get you know as i think about it. we don't have time for that but how much time does it really take just to reach out you know whether it's an email whether it's slack whether it's a quick text or whatever it might be right but it exactly, goes right. so far it goes so far so that's awesome
2: Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was great. I know we got a boat all got a, a, something else to do at nine o'clock this morning, but, um, fascinating conversation as always. I always enjoy getting together with you guys and having these types of conversations to really talk about some of the shit that we're seeing right at the end of the day. This is stuff that we've clearly visibly learned and are sharing back and hopefully as insights that others can, can take and learn and grow. And if you need help, reach out. Uh, but I had a blast today. Great seeing you boys, as always. Um, let's just hope, hopefully these, this air clears up by the weekend so we can get out and golf or do anything outside. Yeah.
0: Okay. You know what? I, I got to say this, too, Kevin. I, I'm surprised. I think we made it 48 minutes through before one of us swore. I think you were the first one. <laughs> yeah. So that, this is really, you know, we're, we're, we're turning Her. into a leaf over there.
1: I thought about doing it. Yeah. I think I changed my mind at the last minute. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, it's context. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: right. That's right.